Chaos on the Set, a chaotic TV film and review podcast. You have two of your usual hosts here with you today, me, Shruti, and Kate. Kate, say hi. Hello. (laughs) But unfortunately, our third co-host, Mike, isn't here today. But we decided to take the opportunity of Mike being gone to cover a movie made by one of his favorite actresses, an actress Mike cannot get enough of, Anne Hathaway. Um, (laughs) Mike actually hates Anne Hathaway. But uh, we invited Lexi back because you might know Lexi from our Bridget Jones diary episode. Oh, sorry. Bridget Jones's diary episode. Uh, And now that we're covering another diary movie, The Princess Diaries, we just had to get the diary crew back in business. That's right. It's the Diary Crew. Thank you for having me. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. Lexi, what is your relationship to The Princess Diaries? Oh, my gosh. Um, I remember having it. I still have the DVD that I had from, like, childhood with, like, the bonus features. Um, I guess it came out when I was, like, four, but, like, I was still watching it. Like, the prime age to watch it. But it's not, like, over-the-top, like, goofy, dumbed-down. Like, it has some, like, I guess, uh, harder topics to, like, pick up later in life. Also um, connected to it because Whitney Houston produced it, if you are not aware. Ooh. I did not know that. Yeah. All I knew was Gary Marshall. Yeah, well, yeah, Gary Marshall directed it. And then, so Whitney Houston produced it. And she also produced Cheetah Girls. So she, like, shaped my childhood. And the black Cinderella, of course. So, While we're on the uh, Cinderella princess streak, let's talk about the essential premise of this movie, right? Is this invisible girl, Anne Hathaway, her character's name is Mia Thermopolis, uh, which, by the way, Thermopolis is fantastic, fantastic name. Uh, she's invisible her whole life, so invisible that people just, like, sit on her when she's, like, hanging oh my around God. in high school. <laughs> Uh, but she gets plucked out of her nobody invisible existence because her grandmother, Julie Andrews, shows up to town to tell her she's not just an invisible girl. She's actually a princess and the heir to the throne of Genovia. Um, and she gets really upset because she's like, me, a princess, shut up. Um, right off the bat, premise of the movie, wouldn't you want to be a princess? Or is there a reason that you identify with Mia not wanting to be a princess? I think Mia, like myself, recognized that from the beginning, um, I don't want to do work. So (laughs) the title of being a princess would be nice. But then when she hears that she has to do all that, like, you know, BS and diplomatic shit, she's like, "Um, no, I'm 15. And that's where I'm like, same girl. Like, do you really want to have a job? Like, unless you really need it. Some people do at 15. But like, homegirl like having to sign up for a job at 15 so I do get that aspect of it where she's like no and then also the fact that it's from the side of her family that she had literally no contact with for her entire life it just there's a line in the movie where she says just in case I'm not enough of a freak let's add a tiara which I'm sure is like in the trailer okay that yes that part does the tiara make you a freak I don't think so no (laughs) yeah makes you cool I think yeah that that angle of it of being like it's gonna give me too much attention I'm like shut up okay girl that's the part I want like are you kidding me like use that to your advantage but yeah yeah if I had a if my long lost grandmother also she didn't know her grandmother was queen of Genovia like that makes me kind of sus because I'm like how do you not google your was google around in 2001 I don't know but how did you not like internet search well, her mom, like, actively hid it from her, so I don't blame her for not mm. knowing. Like, yeah. her mom just seems like a great liar. 
Yeah. I really like her mom, though. Like, I do think her mom was probably just trying to protect her. And when Mia got really upset with her being like, you lied to me my whole life. I'm like, eh, she, like, admitted, some, like, a truth. But I think her childhood was probably better for it instead of growing up in the spotlight of, like, being a princess. Yeah. I understand how she felt betrayed by her mom. Like, I get why she would get mad and freak out. That's fine. It's bizarre to me that when her grandma tells her she's a princess, she freaks out and gets so mad that she literally flees the scene. I'm like, okay, this is a literal ridiculous. Like, I wouldn't run away if that happened to me. What is your game plan here? (laughs) That's how we get character growth. Because if it had gone to any other snooty bitch at that school, like Lana... Fontana, whatever they're like, <laughs> Mandy Moore. Girls. The mean yeah. girls are literally named Lana, Anna, and Fontana. Or something. Yeah, like they're the Fanta girls for sure. Like, if it went to any of them and they kind of show that, like, they would have like handled it in the like wrong materialistic way. Me, sorry, I would have been like, oh, this is my ticket to Raya. But like, <laughs> uh, you know, she's not like other girls. She's like, no, like. She's not like other girls. She has frizzy hair and glasses, you guys. Okay, but see, that's the other thing, right? Okay, fine. You don't want to be a princess. But then you, she says, I'm content to be miserable or I'm content to be invisible, which, listen, honestly, if you were invisible in high school, that is kind of a dream come true. Like, <laughs> being invisible is better than being the aspect of ridicule, right? That everyone's like, obviously, I But she still got ridiculed, though. That's the thing. I'm not saying I would want to be sad on every day, but I think if I was invisible through high school, I would lead a happy existence. <laughs> in hindsight, when you're in it, I'm sure it still like feels like shit. Um, yeah. But in hindsight, yeah, the invisible route, people need to not take that for granted, for sure. Do you think that Mia's dad sucks? <laughs> um, No. I think he sucks. I think he's a terrible father. He, okay, we are to assume that he has been, like, absolutely no contact, basically, for 16 years, right? Like, she doesn't know anything about her dad. And then whenever Julie Andrews talks about it, like, oh, your dad decided that he, I'll, I'll clip it out. I wasn't able to clip out this scene, but when Julie Andrews and Anne Hathaway are talking, like, when, on their day out in San Francisco, and she's like, you know. Your father realized that the love he could have for one person or even two could not make him forget the love he felt for his country and its people which is like did he really decide that he loved his people or was he like oh shit right in san francisco is expensive i don't want to do this i'd rather be royal and fucked off to genovia i mean he did pay for her tuition oh he paid her tuition to her high school yeah, she... I mean, he's loaded. That's fine. Ju- Julie Andrews pays for her baby, her car. <laughs> yeah, like, she says that when she's talking to Lily. She's like, hey, like, he writes me, you know, my birthday card every year and pays for my tuition, like, to help out my mom. Do you think that he also pays for this house? Like, their house is huge. Mia has a literal... I wish I lived in Mia's... Her room is so big. She has, like, her own room, and then in addition to that, she's, like, a spiral staircase where she can go into, like, this upstairs attic area. Well, Def, definitely, definitely if her mother's main source of income is an artist, and it's not really mentioned, no, no offense to all the artists that listen to this podcast, but they don't even show her, like, selling her art or, like, like anything. They just show her painting, constantly painting, and I'm like, how do you sustain this lifestyle? So it probably isn't far-fetched to think that maybe 
um, he, he was helping them pay child rent support. or pay for expenses, child support. Um, My other theory is that they say that they live in like a refurbished firehouse. Uh, so maybe just like nobody knows they're living there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, also the reason I think they're getting support and I think they have since Mia was a baby is because Mia was very nonchalant about asking her grandmother for $400 to pay for her car. <laughs> and I feel like if I... I wouldn't be able to work up the courage, even if my grandmother is a queen. <laughs> but if I had never, like, really met her before or had no contact with her, I'd be, like, I'd be very hesitant to ask for money. But I think probably Mia was, like, well, my, you know, it's the same money that my dad came from. And he's been supporting us all my life. So I'm just going to ask for this. And I guess she didn't feel that weird about it. Yeah, there's definitely no financial insecurity in this movie whatsoever. I honestly, I don't think Mia's parents were even in love. Oh, like, but... I think but she didn't doesn't Mia's mom say something about how they met at Woodstock so they were definitely just like smoking some weed had a fun night and she was like oh shit I'm pregnant and they're like I think I'm not saying the first time they slept together they got pregnant but I'm saying they were just fucking around and then they got pregnant and he was like maybe I'll stay this artist is cool but it seems like you know, like your two week dream where you go off and you're not royal, like breaking Amish kind of, but breaking from royalty and like, oh, that's fun. Now I'm going to go back to being a royal that has everything paid for. Oh, really? Because just from the dialogue and the brief conversations they had, my impression was they were like very seriously in love and wanted to make it work, but she just couldn't live that lifestyle of being his like, you know, queen consort or whatever and having to live in a foreign country and then she doesn't move there at the end of the movie though with Mia but you know what I mean like I just think but she, yeah you're right she was Meghan Markle ahead of her time I'm not I'm not doing it she she just didn't want to do it and he did mention like in that really that that letter that he wrote to her that did make me tear up a little bit I can't lie he did write like oh I think about your mother like every single day and I think he was just the guy who had to choose duty over love at the end I just, while we're on the topic of the letter, I laughed out loud while reading the letter this time because he goes like, we have a tradition in our family where on our 16th birthday, we pass on a piece of wisdom, right? And it's like, oh, so you wrote your daughter a letter to give her advice for when she turned 16 instead of like, I don't know, talking to her (laughs) on a daily basis. (laughs) It's also like wisdom. Happy 16th birthday. Here's some wisdom. (laughs) Like that sucks. Yeah, very odd that like, I guess he couldn't do... I don't know. I guess he couldn't like travel to the States and be like incognito, like Prince Undercover. No, don't cut him slack. He was a deadbeat. No, I'm saying like, I'm saying why couldn't he do that? Oh, okay. okay. Also, yeah. have you seen What a Girl Wants? Yes, Colin Firth, right? Okay, so yes. yes. <laughs> My boy Colin Firth. But like that has the same premise in the beginning of, oh, hippy dippy mom hooks up with a guy who is kind of in this hippie phase Uh uh-oh he's a prince she gets pregnant but they're forced to like break up for the sake of the country yeah so do we think that philippe ever remarried i don't think so no because they would have mentioned it so he was a bachelor his whole life he he didn't because if he had married at least if he had married he would have uh his spouse once they were widowed would have been next in line for the throne yo princess diaries three philippe had an illegitimate child post mia (laughs) that comes to try and steal the throne throne. there's supposed to be a third one like they keep saying we're gonna work on it you know what it's perfect um 
the perfect time skip for it to be not maybe not Mia fighting whoever this person is but like Mia's daughter getting involved or or son getting involved her and Chris's Pines uh children do they say together I would hope so in the second one don't they get they like kiss at the end of the second movie spoilers for the princess diaries to royal engagement but... <laughs> if i had to mention the superior love interest in this franchise yeah we do need to we do need to me- let's okay let's talk about the love interests okay Oof. i bad writing i'm just gonna say bad writing because rewatching <laughs> it they like when they almost set up that jeremiah is the one that's interested in her if you catch that in the beginning wait i did not catch that just at because all. like Rest in peace, Gary Marshall. But, like, dude would just have these random-ass, like, intercut, like, reaction shots for, like, no reason. So... Okay. Sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I was just gonna say, when, in the very beginning of the movie, Mia and um, Lily are showing up to school, Jeremiah's sitting on, like, that wall, whatever, and he, like, looks over, like, and looks infatuated. And they make... That makes you think... And like, but I think he's into Lily because he goes with yeah, he Lily does. to. But Lily isn't the main character, and they do <laughs> they do pay that off in the end. But like, why are you making him the first reaction shot of like, oh, I have an interest in this character? Like, they I, the editing bay. I don't know what happened, but then I yeah. think honestly, I was listening to the Bechdel cast this morning, which I sent y'all a little clip of that. Yes. Bechdel cast, fantastic podcast, highly recommend it. Very funny. Uh, but they were saying that both. This movie and Bring It On, and I'm sure there's other movies, have this trope where, like, the two best friends honestly would date, but you can't have a lesbian couple, so the best friend needs to have a brother that the best friend can be interested in. In both this movie and Bring It On, she's, like, into her best friend's brother, which, like, it's fine in this movie, whatever, but in Bring It On, those two cheerleaders have chemistry together, and they should be together, and I just think it's ridiculous that they don't make out at any point in the movie, but whatever. Well... I think also the reason that Michael seems like such a weak love interest in their relationship seems so weak is because I would say their relationship is like a fraction of what the movie is about. And it's so, like, I think they do a great job with Mia's growth and her relationship to her grandmother and even her mother, too. Like, I think the relationships that, like, progress with her family members is really beautiful but to accomplish something like that you had to push michael so far off to the side yeah and unfortunately in this film it gets so pushed to the side that when you get to that scene where they are kissing at the end and her leg pops i'm like really your leg popped for him like (laughs) what he played you a song on a guitar once and fixed your car and now you're like nice i just (laughs) the only thing she says why me he says why me and she's like because you saw me when i was invisible and it's like that's legit the only reason. Like, there's no other reason that you two are into each yeah, other. Yeah, <laughs> love interest. I think it was in a time in the early 2000s where I think a lot of filmmakers and writers were afraid to leave a female main character unattached romantically. Where I think now, if The Princess Diaries came out in 2021, I think that they would have written that with Mia not even having a romantic interest at all. I mean, talk about the plot of Princess Diaries 2, which is if you don't get married. Literally. <laughs> yeah, so then, I mean, but then with that movie, then it it does work. With We don't need to labor too much on royal engagement because yeah. I'm sure we'll get to it. One question, because you said if this movie was made today. If this movie were made today, 
do you think it would still have the scene at the end of the Princess Diaries where um, they're at the beach and Mandy Moore and her friends trick Mia into changing in this like tent area and then get all the paparazzi to come around and then they're like, her bathing suit is off and they flip the tent over. And I was uh, like, this is a kid's movie. This is a G-rated yeah. movie. I was both this and I was thinking about um, The Parent Trap, which we also covered on this podcast, which has a scene where like, it heavily implies, I'm sure Lindsay Lohan wasn't naked on set, but like her character is supposed to be naked jumping while everyone is staring at her. I'm like, I am shocked at the level of like naked female young characters that they have in kids movies. Like, I don't think they would do that today. I don't know. Because it's like from this, like the era of like, ooh, embarrassment. I mean, it would probably be something not as like scandalous, but then like add on everyone snapping and TikToking it. Like, I just think of like the horrible he's all that thing where like her embarrassing moment was a fucking snot bubble and it's like and like the thing is like yeah it's like it's creepy but it's also like kids can be cruel and like i i felt like that like i mean there's but there's like moments too where like yeah this wouldn't be in you know if this were made today when it make the cut where like did you catch the line where they're like Oh, did you just come back from the bulimia convention yes. where you can speak and throw up at the same time? Oh my goodness. I was like, are you really making jokes about eating disorders? Like, first of no. all. Well, I think the bullying in this movie is so cookie cutter where it's literally just like, oh, them shouting insults at her, like to her face. And I think if this movie was made present day, like, it just, the movie is just very campy and has a lot of the, like, early 2000s, like, what what did older filmmakers think that teenage bullying was, when in reality, it is a lot of, like, manipulation and talking behind the back and gossiping, so I think, um, it was a little, like, funny to see, like, what do these people, like, what does Gary Marshall think is high school bullying, and I'm like, oh, it's not quite, but, um, they're definitely very cruel to her, though, in this film. It was very sad. I'm just like, mm, if they had the guts to make Mia a black character, what would they say then? Because, you know, I'm like, that, I mean, hello. While we're talking about people of color in this movie, I believe the two black characters we have in this movie are the police officer and... The mayor. There was a the mayor. mayor. The mayor. Of, the mayor of San Francisco. Is black in this movie? yeah. Oh, well, so progressive. There's some comment where, like, the, you know, like, the blonde um, woman that works at the embassy, uh, like... Uh, Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, Charlotte. She's, like, talking to him, and they make some one-liner yeah. where she's like, do you think it'll rain, Mare? And he's like, it won't rain on me. Oh, <laughs> so, yes. And I thought that was really cute. I was like, oh. But, um, yeah, there's literally, like, two people of color in this entire movie, which is a little... Uh, right. That is Sandra O. Oh. oh, that's true. Wait, guys, I forgot that that um, soundbite of her being like, Gupta, uh-huh, uh-huh, the queen is coming. Like, I forgot that that was from this movie. So when I heard that, I was like, that's from TikTok. I didn't even know it was on TikTok. It is an iconic line. Sandra O oh did redo it for Graham Norton, I believe, uh, a couple in the past couple of years. I, Sandra O, oh, 
just marry me. I'm in love with her. Oh, um, I'll call her. I'm sure she listens to this podcast, and I'll ask <laughs> if she'll give you her hand in marriage. Okay, thank you. I would love yeah. it. It's, it's honestly becoming a problem. I will be, like, <laughs> driving in L.A., and I'll, like, see a billboard with Sandra O's face on it, and I, like, get distracted. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I need to look at the road, but I can't oh because God. Sandra O oh is on this billboard. Um, and not in a oh, creepy no. way. <laughs> also romantic. Yeah. Uh, I'm just obsessed with her. I think she's a really awesome actress and person and does great things for Asian was, Americans. In was Hollywood. this pre Grey's Anatomy, her appearance in this movie? Grey's Anatomy started in 2005, so four years after this movie came out. So this was really before she hit a lot of fame, which is interesting. Gary Marshall discovered Sandra. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, should we get into Shade Court? Oh, yes. It's time for Shade Court. Shade Court is a segment Kate and I used to do on our old radio show at Z89, 89.1 if you're in the greater Syracuse area. Or it's also available on iHeart. There's a little plug. Z89 will pay me $100 for this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Shade Court is essentially... a situation where you bring in either a character or a, either a fictional or a real actor or actress and decide whether the act- actions they took are shady. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the exact definition of shady, but I'm sure all of our listeners know what it's shady like, is. It's like, yeah, shady is like, was it, um, was there a veil of something suspicious underneath, like something they said or they did? Was it, could it be considered rude or questionable um behavior you know yes so today's trial is the trial of lily moskowitz and hathaway's best friend in this movie uh she can sometimes be a little bit terrible what do y'all think uh i mean should we play the first piece of evidence on sure yeah why? okay all right here is a bit one of whether this is evidence for why lily should be found guilty of shade for being a terrible best friend to her friend I'm on the verge of becoming a nutcase, and my parents think I need an attitude adjustment. Whoa, 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 whoa! Sorry. Yes, yeah, so my dad wants to take me out to dinner tonight. Just the two of us. We ran out of things to talk about when I was eight. Well, at least your dad's still alive. Hey. I thought you were getting over that. It's been, what, two months? I know, I know, but after all, he was my dad. Biologically, yes, but you never met the man. Just a nice card and gift on your birthday for 15 hey, years. be fair, okay? They were beautiful presents. Remember that Fabergé merry-go-round he sent me? That was nice. And he paid for my school tuition. Yeah, I guess so. You know what, Lily? I gotta run, okay? I gotta go see your brother about my baby. Okay, but let's take the limit, Amar. These hills are killing me. <laughs> you got it. We get to um, the, the Lily issue. I, I think the father definitely sucks after hearing this clip. He All he did was buy her shit. He never even talked to her. <laughs> yeah, okay, they never met or talked on the phone. That's, That's crazy. bizarre. <laughs> I, in a 15-year-old's mind, I can see why Lily, and I think when Lily says I have a attitude problem, she means I have mental health <laughs> issues and I need to go to a therapist, but I can't say that. Because she says it again at the end. And she says it again at the end. I told you I needed an attitude. I think Lily is actually very aware that like, oh, I'm going through something yeah. and I can't really figure out what's going on. But like, I'm angry sometimes and I don't know why I'm so angry and I'm upset sometimes and I don't know. Like, I think that's because she said, mentions it multiple times. And I'm like, yeah. oh, Lily was really struggling. She's self-aware. Yeah. No, they, they drive it home that like they can't say what mental illness she's suffering from. 
and it's probably like kind of taboo to like touch on that from like a high schooler's perspective but at that time for sure but i'm like oh this homegirl definitely needs therapy like hello so yeah that's my defense and why some of her like reactions are just so unhinged because i'm like oh i've heard that from people before that are just like no (laughs) i do gotta say though that was the most shocking little exchange in the entire movie when literally like not even just lily also mia with lily going like i ran out of things to talk about with my dad when i was eight and then mia hits her with the at least you have a dad mine's dead (laughs) which was like mia that's so out of pocket and then but then lily hits her right back and goes it's been like two months i thought you were getting over it it's just all around like what a whirlwind of a conversation i will say like now that like, once Mia, like, or once Lily kind of explains, well, you only got a birthday card from every year, you never met him, you never talked to him on the phone, I do get, yeah, like, I get why she would jump to that conclusion, like, oh, I didn't realize that you were actually... This bothered you. This bothered you so much, because he was kind of just this absent presence in your life, and you just got gifts, you know? Yeah. I think so. I think their fatal flaw and both of them do it and it's what I hate in any kind of argument is when somebody is venting i.e. Lily venting about saying um, I don't want to go to dinner with my dad because I don't know what to talk to him about and in or- instead of saying oh that sucks the friend offers a comparison to their own life Yes, and I always hate it when people compare misery like it reminds me all of the time of when like in college I would tell Josh like I'm Josh is my roommate <laughs> that's Kate knows I'm like oh I'm really tired and he'd be like well I had a zoo this morning and I woke up at 6 I'm like no I don't I don't want to hear that do you know what I mean and like even uh, Lily counters back to like well aren't you over it like never compare misery when somebody is complaining to you that's like exhibit a on yeah it it just felt like a nasty conversation of two people like not being there for each other and it was uncomfortable. I think that's why, like, me and my roommate outright laughed when, when they said each thing to each other. It was just, like, kind of shocking. They definitely, like, were both going through some shit right there. And it's actually kind of interesting, to, like, to see their relationship throughout the film. Because they definitely are both suffering from miscommunication. And they don't know how to help each other. And then I think they kind of solve it by the end of the film. Yeah, I think. I think they do have a good apology scene. We'll get to the apology scene later. The second exhibit we have to introduce into evidence is uh, Lily's reaction to um, Mia's new hair. Oh, oh my God. Who destroyed you? Oh, um, you think it, it looks that bad? You look ridiculous. You should sue. Well, um... I know that it's, it's a little, you know, straighter and shorter. Weirder? An attractive weirder. No, it's not attractive. Seatbelts, please. What I really can't understand, you ditched me again yesterday when I really needed your help on the Greenpeace petition. This bag. You have one of these bags? You know, we could hawk that and feed a whole third world country. Am I right? No. If there are no more passengers, I think we should close the door. I mean, you used to care more about what was inside your head instead of on it. Come on, Mia, fess up. I don't know where you are these days, and now you're turning into an A-crowd wannabe? You're morphing into one of them. 
Like, that's why I kind of want to defend Lily, because she's not mad at her being a princess. She's mad that this is not a friend that she recognizes anymore. Before, she was somebody that cared about the same, like, issues, like, that Lily cares about, and now Wait, did she's she? kind of... Mia just listened. I feel like that was yeah. like Lily to the beat of her own drum, like, always bringing up something like tofu, greenhouse, whatever, <laughs> and, like, Mia was just there. Like, I don't... Yeah, because I feel like, and that's that's kind of where, yeah, that, like, gets interesting, because if anything, and she admits it, it's, like, it just came from a point of jealousy, which, like, again, like, reminding yourself they're sophomore juniors in high school, like... And all of a sudden, your best friend is who is like a nobody. Then is all of a sudden like coming out with her fresh like dry bar blowout, and then is gonna like what become like popular girl and then drop yeah. her. So it's just fear and insecurity. I have a very hard time defending Lily with this exchange because like it's just really immature for her to be like, "Oh, you changed your frizzy hair and now you have straight hair." Like you suck like you're turning into like this this like popular girl I don't recognize you like she freaks out about her hair and the thing that kind of like irritated me is I think um it 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 was very clear that once Mia got this makeover she felt very confident in herself and she felt very pretty and like I it, it was clear that she wasn't really like she was not one to really like take care of her hair take care of her skin anything like that before I just because I don't really think it even like I think she felt so invisible for her that she was like, what's the point, you know? Mm -hmm. And then finally she gets this makeover and, like, she feels very empowered by it. And that was really nice to see. Like, and then for her to kind of show Michael and Lily. And Michael is like, wow, you look so great. And you see Mia get very excited by that. Like, she's like, oh, yeah, I feel confident. And then Lily just starts tearing her apart to the point that she's okay. crying in the car like that's not like a friend <laughs> yes. doesn't do Lily that is mean i'm not saying lily's not mean but she makes one comment about physical appearance that's your hair is ridiculous you should sue no excuse for that that's just mean every statement she makes after that is more like why aren't you supporting me in this why are you leaving me in that at that point lily does not know about the princess secret so i understand where she's coming from of like where is she's there Mia is Lily's only best friend. So if I was a 15-year-old and my best friend was getting hot and going off and abandoning me every single night, I'd be like, oh, I don't have a best friend anymore. And that would really freak me out. Like, without Mia, Lily has no one. And I understand why she is getting so upset over not knowing where her friend is going. That's It was such a, um outrageous way for her to, like, ridicule her. Like, she's definitely cruel. She's very cruel. Like, I think... I think, like, if if I started making changes to, like, how I dress and, and my appearance and things like that, and if I had a friend, like, literally try to, like, ridicule me on those life changes, I'd be like, okay, we have a problem here. Because, like, instead of just being like, hey, like, having a calm conversation about, like, why the new look, why this, like... Instead, she just went to, like, attacking her, like, like viciously. And I feel like at that point, I would be, like, I would have to turn to my friend and be, like, we're having, like, a respect issue here. Like, I can't make these changes to my life without you getting, like, super enraged. But the- well, she does. She does. I mean, when they get out of the car, she, like, 
speaks up and she's like, hey, like... Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm getting enough of this from, like, my mom and my grandma. Like, I don't need this from you, you know, type of thing. And then Lily so, like, sticks up for her afterwards when everyone in school is making yeah. fun of her. She's like, Voltaire hair. I would rather talk about Voltaire. <laughs> I I thank God for her captions because growing up, I never knew what the fuck she was saying at that time. <laughs> I thought she was talking about, like, bald hair. I don't know. And then, like, finally I got the... Well, answer, also, I think when we were younger, Voltaire. probably like, who so. the fuck is Voltaire? <laughs> like... <laughs> exactly. Honestly, yeah. good for the Princess Diaries. Introducing... Philosophy. Advanced. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we get to the apology scene and kind of... I think we can't make a real real decision on, um, you know, if she's guilty, unless we listen to the apology. Well, you know what? I came up here to tell you that I'm sorry. Okay? I'm sorry I missed your cable show, and I'm just really sorry. You know, I can't believe that you hung me up after all I did for you. You know, I kept your loyal secret. And do you know how hard it is to have a cable show and keep a secret? You didn't keep it a secret from me how jerky you thought my being a princess was. Well, congratulations, you got your wish. I'm not gonna be a princess. You're not? No. But I want you to be. What? I didn't mean it, just the green monster of jealousy came out because you were Miss Popular and, and I thought I was losing my best friend so I got angry and upset and hurt. And I told you, I need an attitude adjustment. But the truth is, you being a princess is kind of a miracle. Whoa, no, what miracle? It's a, a nightmare. No. Think about it. I just found out that my cable show only reaches 12 people. Wanting to rock the world, but having zip power like me? Now that's a nightmare. But you, I mean, wow. I mean, just. Okay, what is so wow? Wow is having the power to affect change, make people listen. How many teenagers have that power? What more of a miracle do you want? Well, We'll just have to find a different miracle, not more, just different. Listen, tomorrow night is the Genovian Independence Day Ball, and to make up for my missing your cable show, I'm inviting you. I hope you'll forgive me, and I hope you come. Now, now that I listened to that apology, you're so right like she sh oh, I wish she could have been like the love interest because they are they get each other more emotionally than like she does with anyone else in the movie Lily makes a very like honestly I kind of after listening to the scene I'm more anti-Mia because all Mia says is I'm sorry okay I'm sorry but like <laughs> doesn't say actually what she did wrong Mia well Lily says I was jealous. What I did was wrong, but it's because, I, like, you know, and, like, actually gives a full apology. And then Mia's apology is, okay, sorry for missing your cable show. As a sorry, I'd like to invite you to this ball, which you should invite her anyway. What do you mean as an Wait, apology? Yeah. I'm inviting her to the ball. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I'm kind of under the opinion that they're both kind of trash a little bit. Not going to lie. Like, which, what? <laughs> Everyone sucks when they're a 15 year old girl. That's like, true. I, when I was a kid and still now, I, I made a lot of decisions that were selfish, you know? Uh, and I honestly, like, that apology scene is a real true female friendship apology scene. Like, it is. I love it. 
Um, I, I think Lily is innocent. I don't think she's a terrible friend. I think she only passes if she decides to go to therapy. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think she's a bad friend. I think she's just in a bad place mentally. I think the cutest thing, by the way, that I realized on box after the whole what will I wear, they like hug and squeal and Mia's foot pops when she hugs Lily, which is oh really my sweet. God. Yeah. <laughs> They should be together. We're rewriting the movie. I'm glad. I'm glad we got. I think I'm glad we got Lily off innocent. Um, we'll put a poll up on our social on if you think Lily is guilty. But I think she's innocent. Lexi, what is your knowledge on foreign policy and <laughs> international relations? Oh, God. I'm well, going to not know what to say. I literally don't know how countries work. I have a, I have a poli-sci minor. Okay, great. So we've brought in Kate. Uh, oh, Mike great. is not here. Mike was a major in political science at Syracuse University. Yeah, you have to take my minor instead. We'll need him to, uh, I guess, write into the podcast to tell us what he thinks about Genovian foreign relations. My biggest question is, the end of the movie is this big Genovian Independence Day ball, but they still have a monarch. So then who is, who are they declaring independence from? Well, who, who colonized Genovia? I mean, so I'm looking at it as I think Genovia is probably a little tiny country like Luxembourg or something. They mentioned it's between France and Spain. So there's not much room between those two countries. So I just assume... And Portugal is, exists. So... Yeah. Oh, wait. Portugal's on the other side of Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, <laughs> I just assume this is just like supposed to be kind of like a Luxembourg-esque country where it's really tiny. Um, They probably had to fight at some point some more. They probably were colonized by some country or empire within their history and then just like america they have an independence day to celebrate their freedom of having their own country and then they are definitely a constitutional monarchy because they do mention at some point like oh you have like oh the prime minister's on the line or something they make some throwaway comment about the prime minister of genovia and then um i mean not to get too much in the second film but then you also see there is like a parliament in the second film that forces Mia to get engaged so there is definitely a governing body of Genovia and and um Mia and her grandmother are figureheads um but still important like it's kind of it's it's fun I, I kind of like I love that they made up this fake country and then they're like we're gonna make it kind of like British politics like you know British monarchy British politics where all the royals do, I, really do at this point is fundraising and <laughs> getting in the tabloids. Well, that's the thing. They say <laughs> when they're training her on how to be a princess, like, you're going to learn languages and policy, but really all she does is learn how to be, you know, Western identity. Actually, she- so true. They don't even show her, like, doing any, like, academic lessons or anything. The only time you see her learning is, like, some like a couple brief scenes in like that teacher that her mom is fucking like his class and then um, which is like something that happened and then you just see her in gym class in the books also her mom uh yeah 
does dare the teacher and then so. and then and then her only other form of education is like literally the gym teacher bullying her being like you have to get a home run to pass my class she has to hit the ball or else she's gonna fail gym did any of you have like ability based no, gym classes no. that's ridiculous our gym class was all effort based i would have flunked gym if it was ability based i can't hit a ball are you kidding me um sorry that's besides the point um i did i did like that that gym teacher a bit because she's just so sassy and then she's like uh she's like like block one ball mia just block one she's like i know but like this is like not a girl thing she's like well what what am i a duck like i love that because she's just like you know she's definitely well that's what i don't get so mia's but i'm clumsy i'm unathletic i can't do anything but then she like rock climbing is an athletic skill and mia's like job is to work on this climbing rink where she's like also pretty confident like holds her own isn't like i'm a girl i can't do this pre-makeover so like yeah i feel like the rock climbing thing i don't know if they just like had a deal with the owner maybe like the owner is like gary marshall's cousin <laughs> i don't know like because like the setting never comes back. Like, the fact that that's her... She does have a job, so I guess she does have a job. But, like, that, like, never comes back. I'm like, why did that conversation have to be there? She makes some throwaway line where when she's packing to, like, run away. She's like, come on, Fat Louie, we gotta go to Colorado. We can climb real rocks. <laughs> yes. I'm like, what? At yeah, the end of the movie, like... Mia's game plan is, I'm not gonna go to the Independence Day Ball, but not only am I not gonna go to the Independence Day Ball, I'm gonna run away from home. What is her game plan there? Like, who lives in Colorado? She obviously has never had any financial insecurity because she just thinks she'll be fine. Your dad can no longer send you checks honey but. he's dead okay sorry yeah but wouldn't she be in the will probably i think that so where's that check she must have some trust that like when she turns 18 she gets uh, mm. money but i'm glad we're getting mm. super granular into their lives i mean while we're getting very granular into the lives should mm-hmm. should we do it? Should we talk about the sex life of Queen Clarice Rinaldi? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> well, because uh, her so, and Joe are definitely. I don't think they fuck until the second movie. Really? I, I think they just hold hands and like. <laughs> Lexi doesn't think people over the age of 50 can have sex. <laughs> no, hold on a second. That's not true because I wouldn't be born. I don't. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that. <laughs> Once you hit a certain age. Can we circle back? Were you conceived after your parents turned 50? No, my mom was 39. But like. Okay. My mom was 39. My dad was like, I guess the math would be like 45, whatever. Um, So you're good because they weren't 50. And then once they turned 50, obviously people can't fuck. So you're actually in the clear though. I was the last try though. So I am the miracle baby. That's another movie to discuss. Are your parents excited that their sex life was discussed on our podcast? I hope they never listen to this actually. Sorry. I would have promoted it to them. Now it cannot come up in their um, earbuds ever again. Um, Well, no, it's just like, because like, not saying that a queen can't fuck, but like they like make, (laughs) they make like Queen Clarice so like, you know, regal and like, Hootie dot like I can't imagine. It's almost like Julie Julie Andrews can't fuck. Like how <laughs> how how can like like you know Julie Andrews spinning in the fields and like the sound of music like no. So wait, Kate, when do you think that Joe and Clarice first sleep together? In the limo. Oh no, definitely not in the limo. First time is not in the limo. I don't know. 
if they've slept together. What I do know is that they've definitely at least kissed because there is an important line. I don't know if you two caught it, but when Michael and Mia are dancing at the ball and then they kind of discreetly head to the the garden and uh-huh. Joe literally says, I wrote it down, he they kind of look at them and they smile and he says to Clarice, they had the same idea I had, so guess now the garden is occupado. Which meant he w- was thinking, I should go take the queen out to the garden and make out with her. Like, literally, it was in his mind, but then he's like, uh, Mia and Michael beat me. He's so forward with her that I honestly think maybe they slept together before the king died. No, I don't. No, no, no. I don't think. What? Well, no, isn't he, like, detailed for just the San Francisco trip? Have they ever yeah, met what is, what is Joe's no, job? No, no, no. Yeah, he's worked for her for a very long time. He's, like, a bodyguard security, basically. Because he, he says to, when they first dance, which, by the way, is my most skippable scene, is uh, yeah. just Joe and the queen dancing together is kind of boring. He's like, you've been wearing black too long. So it's like, you've been mourning your husband for too long. No, 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 no. Mourning her son. Oh. No, I thought it was the no, I thought it was about her why would he get horned up about the dead son? No, I You think he's horned up over the dead husband? What? <laughs> well, like, I don't think that would be a line to get like a a woman going saying, like, you've no. been warning the death of your son for too long. Like, no, that's definitely a nod to the husband. I agree. I I th- wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think he was two I, months isn't that long, remember. Let's think I don't about think he that. He was horned up, first of all. I think he was he was dancing with her and trying to make her smile and then wanted to just be like you've like let's make you happy you've like I want to like you've been wearing black for too long because as it's stated her dad died about two months before her grandmother came to San Francisco so she was wearing mourning clothes for the last two years uh, I mean two months it's not that's not a reference to the sun I'm telling you this right now I wasn't on set, but I can tell you this right now. I'm paging Gary Marshall above me as I speak. He's dead. That was not a reference. Yeah, I got my Ouija board out right here to talk to him. Do you think... Okay, but here's the other thing is during that scene, they're dancing together and then they pan away and you like see Charlotte watching them dance together. And then they like pan off into like the ceiling, which the only time you pan away is when you're in clothes off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) no, they went from dancing to doing it. Right in the ballroom. (laughs) That's a horrible place to do it. Absolutely not. But but if they did, if they did, in fact, have sex after that dance scene, that means they've definitely slept together before that dance scene. Okay, wait, I just am so shocked that you guys, like, are we actually discussing? No, okay. (laughs) Chaos on the set. (laughs) Wait, I want to go back on something because, because Shruti mentioned very offhand, I think she slept with him before her husband died. You think she, you think Julie Andrews cheated on the king? Like, what? Queens have affairs. Have you seen the great? Not Julie Andrews, not, not Clarice. I think she can sleep around. Here's the. Going into this podcast, I didn't think that they actually, I think they have like a flirtationship and they like each other and care for each other. But going into this podcast, I actually didn't think that they slept together until the second movie. Now, I mean, we have to watch the second movie and reevaluate. But now I'm under the impression that they have definitely had some kind of romantic and sexual tension and it's been longer than the life of Okay, I can see that. But like, I don't think they ever acted on it. Like, I can see them being like, ooh, like eyes here, like this and that. And like, clearly he's been watching her to be like 
you've been wearing Lexi, black. you just don't want old people to bone. Do you think that <laughs> Joe looks at Mia as like a cock block because they have to ride it? He has to, he has to drive her around in her separate limo. And he's like, fuck, I used to drive Clarice around. Now I got this bitch. I got to like. <laughs> Y'all are insane. <laughs> Okay, let's move oh to best side character. Oh, Jesus, Lordy. Yeah. Joe would be our favorite side character, but we all think that he is a little too major. Yeah, he's to a bit a too on the, higher up on the bill. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Charlotte is a good contender. Charlotte, who's apparently Gary Marshall's daughter. Oh. That, um, yeah, nepotism. <laughs> I used to think that it was Katie Couric, actually, like watching the movie. I was like, is this like the lady from the Today Show? No. And then I'm like, oh, no, that's just the director's daughter. I thought all, like, middle-aged white blonde women were the same, and it was all Katie Sir, are you so telling me that when I'm middle-aged, I can be a, a journalist? I can be an anchor of the Today Show? Sure, yeah. Just Thank ask um, four-year-old Lexi that question, and, you know, we'll time machine that <laughs> awesome. one. Awesome. Um, I'm surprised you knew who Katie Kirk was when you were four years old. <laughs> do you remember the age of my parents when I was <laughs> They weren't watching TRL. They were watching, like, NBC all the time. Um, side characters, yeah. So, I mean, it could be Charlotte, but I mean, I think I personally have to give it to Sandra O oh because anytime Sandra O oh is in anything, she wins. She, yeah, she was, she's good. I know I mentioned before Jeremiah, but now I think that's just me going based off the fact that he kind of looks like Dylan O'Brien with like red hair. Can I, can I mention the what I think is just like the funniest side character though? Is Mr. Rubitessin. Yes. Who's named after a cough medication. Yes. And I think it's funny as three of us who work in entertainment and have maybe some career aspirations that could involve writing in the future to have this neighbor who's like, I won an Emmy once and now I take out my trash in my bathrobe every single day and I try to write, but I can't find the words anymore. And I'm just like, is that me when I'm older? No, that's the thing. And that's another thing where it's like upon rewatch as a kid, you're like, oh, who's this like curmudgeon man? He's weird. And then yeah. like watching it now, you're like, ugh, <laughs> I kind of I see it. <laughs> yeah. But it's so funny because you, I think as, a kid, as kids, we were probably like, who is this guy? Why is he here? But then uh, as people who have written ourselves and have, you know, are in the business, I look at them as like, oh, that was such an Easter egg for the writers of the script to put in to just poke fun no, at themselves sure. and be like, haha, we're the Mr. Robitussins, you know? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. The older you get, the more you relate to Mr. Robitussin. That's me. I feel like when I was a kid, I used to think that that was her dad. Like... <laughs> I thought her dad never, I thought her dad faked her, his death and was living wow. a life as Mr. Robitussin because she's never met him. And I'm like, do you see him interact with the mom? No. Oh my God. I love this conspiracy. That's why he's so depressed. And so you <laughs> think he faked his own death? I think he faked his own death. He's. But wouldn't the mom recognize him? You don't see them. You don't see them. You don't see them interact. That's but true. Joe, I think but Joe interacts Joe with him. him. Joe physically assaults him. True. Well, it's dark and rainy. But like, I literally like thought that like. I like the theory. Does, does that excuse it, Lexi? Why that was dark and rainy? No, no, that like he wouldn't recognize him. Oh, oh. Uh, 
I no, I'm not saying you should beat up people when it's dark and rainy. I'm saying No, that- no, no. No, they no, they also talk once when he's standing there waiting for Mia to come outside right. like in the broad daylight and he's like, "Are you a spy?" and he goes, "I'm not a spy." And he goes, "That's what the spy in my script says." I love it. Joe also has the best line in The Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement, but I'll leave that as a tease so y'all will have to oh, tune in for- when we bring Lexi back for yep. the second Princess Diaries. Since Princess Diaries 2 Royal engagement. Say the full title. Any movie with diary or diaries in it, like I, I'm legally obligated you have to, to be here. speak on it with you guys. Yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to mention, Lexi? No, I'll just stick by my um my my statement that that Michael Motsavis is hot. So <laughs> I'll just leave it with that. Or he was Timothy Chalamet before it was even a thing. That's true. True, you know, Lexi is into like very tall, frail guys with like a lot of hair. The, I've noticed. The, the, excuse me. If you're a tall, frail guy with a lot of hair, hit us up. Tweet us at Chaos on the Set. I will give you Lexi's personal information. Where did the, all the hair come from? Where did Timothy, a lot of hair? Timothy, wait, wait, wait. Timothy Chalamet has a lot of hair. You mean nice hair like on your head okay because you're making head. it sound like what i you, want what like, what you, a fucking sasquatch <laughs> no on his head no no you i no okay on his head and then michael has like really big sideburns on his head so lexi would you be into like doofenshmirtz from phineas and Ferb? <laughs> you know what can't say no until you try so I, i'm sure i'm sure there's a bunch of doofenshmirtz walking around bushwick if i really look to find so it's there yeah <laughs> well on that note lexi thank you so much for joining us on this especially chaotic episode of chaos on the side i'm honestly a little worried for my sisters to hear how <laughs> but- i promise i'm not ageist i promise <laughs> are you calling my sisters old no, no. lexi <laughs> Oh, I'm calling back to the other discussion we had about <laughs> old people fornication. Yeah. Oh my god! Please, please share where people can find you on the internet or in person, if that's what you want them to do. Yeah. Um, if you do look like Doctor Doofenshmirtz, this is my address. Um, no, so you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. They're both the same handles at Lexi Shay underscore L E X I S H A Y E underscore. Um, if you're in the New York area, I tend to be doing comedy and we'll post about it there. So check me out. If you watch The Bachelorette, I do live commentaries at Ferns for The Bachelorette every week. So yeah, that's me. And men out there, her cell phone number. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, if you are Michael Moskovit, uh, whatever, Robert Schwartzman, whatever his name is. I'm he's impressed saying, that you know the actor's name. Because <laughs> he's sang in a um, band and it's a really good song. I'll, I'll bring it you up. You really <laughs> love this man. <laughs> um, you can follow me, Kate, on Twitter at Kate underscore Wyatt. Um, I also have a letterbox, but... Michael told me I'm not allowed to plug it anymore, so don't follow me there. <laughs> Our uh, podcast has a letterbox called Chaos on the Set. We also have, oh, sorry, my Twitter, or my letterbox is Shruti Marate. My Twitter is at Micromarate. And then our Twitter, Instagram, and letterbox for the podcast is at Chaos on the Set. We definitely have a lot of polls to do this week. You know, we have Lily Moskowitz in Shade Court. We have Does Charlotte Look Like Katie Couric? So please <laughs> check out our twitter because we'll have a lot of things that we need your opinion on so check that out at chaos on the set